0: they are radha Gopi Janavallabha Girivarathari Natira ravana chari, Ramuna vana chari, Jaya
1: Vishnupad, Paramhamsa, Parivraja, Kacharya, Ashto, Tara, Stata, Sri, Srimad, AC, Swami, Srila, Prabhupada, Ki, Anantakota, Vaisna, Vrindaki, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories to the assembled devotees, all glories, all glories to Sri Sri Guru and Goranga. all glories to Srila Prabhupada. Omogyana temirandasya jana jana shalakaya chakshur unmilitam jaina tasmai shri guru veinamaham. I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances unto him. Shri Chaitanya manovistam stapitam jaina Butale swayam rupakadam ayam tadatit swa padantikam. When will Srila Goswami Prabhupada, who has established within this material world the mission to fulfill the desire of Lord Chaitanya, give me shelter under his lotus feet? I offer my respectful obeisances unto the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord. They are just like desire trees and can fulfill the desires of everyone, and they are full of compassion for the fallen conditioned souls. De Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda, Sri Advaita Gadadhar Sri Vasadi Gaura I offer my respectful obeisances unto Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Lord Nityananda, Sri Advaita, Gadadhar Pandit, Sri Vastha Kaur and all the devotees of Lord Chaitanya. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Today is Tuesday, June 8th, 2021, and we're reading from Srimad Bhagavatam Kanta 1, Creation. Chapter 7, The Son of Drona Punished, text 49. Sutta Uvacha dhar, Dharmyam Nyayam Sakarunam Nirvya Likam Samam Mahat Raja Dharma Sutorajnya Pratyananda Nanda Dwija Sutta Uvacha Dharmyam Nayam Sakkara Unam Nirvya Likam Samam Mahat Raja Dharma Rajnya Pratyananda Vachodwija Sutta Uvacha Suta Goswami said Dharmyam in accordance with the principles of religion. Nyayam, Nyayam. justice. Justice. Sakarunam, Sakarunam. full of mercy. mercy. Nirvyalikum, without duplicity in dharma. Samam, equity. Equity. Mahat, Mahat. glorious. Glorious. Raja, Raja. the king. King. Dharmasutta son. Rajnya. By the Queen, queen. Ratyanandat Supported, Vacha, Statements, Statements. Statements. dwija o, o Brahmanas, translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami, Srila Prabhupada. Sita Goswami said, O Brahmanas, King Yudhisthira fully supported the statements of the queen, which were in accordance with the principles of religion and were justified, glorious, full of mercy and equity, and without duplicity. Purport. Maharaj Yudhisthira, who was the son of Dharmaraj, or Yamaraj, fully supported the words of Queen Dropadi in asking Arjuna to release Ashvatama. One should not tolerate the humiliation of a member of a great family. Arjuna and his family were indebted to the family of Dronacharya because of Arjuna's learning the military science from him. If ingratitude were shown to such a benevolent family, it would not be at all justified from the moral standpoint. The wife of Dronacharya, who is the half-body of the great soul, must be treated with compassion, and she should not be put into grief because of her son's death. That is compassion. Such statements by Dropidi are without duplicity because actions should be taken with full knowledge. The feeling of equality was there because Dropadi spoke out of her personal experience. A barren woman cannot understand the grief of a mother. Draupadi was herself a mother, and therefore her calculation of the depth of Krippi's grief was quite to the point. And it was glorious because she wanted to show proper respect to her great family. So we're continuing the story of what um, the son of Drona punished, basically, right, Ashwatthama. And we discussed last week that Draupadi is asking for compassion and mercy towards Ashwatthama despite his terrible crimes, and even his attempt to destroy the world. Um, So, just kind of a um, recap, she reminds everyone that um, Dronacharya's son, right? Dronacharya was their teacher, and Ashwatthama is their son. So Ashwatthama is the represent representative of Dronacharya. It's, it's like Dronacharya lives on in his son. So she reminds them that Dronacharya taught you how to throw arrows and control weapons, and that it's not good to cause grief to a glorious family. They should always be respected and worshipped. And then she also points out in the last couple of verses that, you know, I'm a mom and I know the depth of grief that a mother feels in losing her son. Please do not make his mother go through the same level of grief. I mean, that's deep compassion considering that Ashwatthama is the reason for her own grief. But yet she does not wish that level of grief. You know, we say, I wouldn't even wish that on my worst enemy. Well, she's literally you know, exhibiting that kind of quality. And then she finally concludes that offending and enraging the Brahmin class can only bring grief on us, the royal family. And in this verse, it shows that Yudhishthira, the son of Damaraj, the son of you know, um, what's right, righteousness, he's in agreement that this is, What she's saying is in accordance with the principles of religion. It's justified, it's glorious, it's full of mercy and equity and without duplicity. So we were talking about last week the qualities of jopadi. She displayed the qualities of compassion and forgiveness. And today she's displaying another great quality, always seeing the good, pulling out what's good in someone else. So instead of seeing Ashvatama as a murderer she sees him as the son of their teacher as the son of the mother Krupī. She sees him as someone to be respected because he's a Brahmin, someone to be worshiped. So even though he's created he's committed these heinous crimes and atrocious activities of releasing the Brahmastra, she still sees the good in him. And it said that there's four Types of people when it comes to like seeing the good, right? One, they just don't focus. They just don't find any fault. There's no fault to be found. They know it might be there, but they just don't find it. So the second type of person can see the good and the bad, but they only focus on the good. The third type sees only the good and magnifies that. They don't really even see, you know, the the bad may be there, but it's just kind of like out of their focus. And the fourth type is that they only see good. They don't even consider that there is anything bad, that everything is all good. Um, And that's kind of, you know, these kind of qualities. I think um, Draupadi falls into the last two, where she's only seeing the good. She's not really focusing on the bad parts. She um, is saying, you know, he's, She's not focusing at all on the fact that he committed the crime. She's focusing on who he is, who's, you know, he's a human. He's a person who made a mistake. He is the son of someone we respected and we grew up with and, and raised, you know, the Bandavas. So for us, it's really easy to see that, oh, you know, Ashwatthama is bad and he needs to be brought to justice. She's looking at it from a different angle. Like, what good will it do, right? If Ashutama is killed, it's not like the kids are going to be brought back. And the Brahmastra is never, you know, it's not going to reverse time that it's never been released, even though Arjuna was able to counter it. So she's saying that it would just cause more grief. It's just going to expand upon, expound upon the grief that's already there um, after this great war. So there's no need for further But we can see that he acted cowardly and we can see that there needs to be some consequences of these kinds of actions. And for us, it's really easy to focus on the bad parts of things. In um, the purport of Shrimad Bhagavatam 1119.36, it says... One can develop equal vision by giving up jealousy and envy and by recognizing the existence of the soul within every material body. This attitude pleases the Supreme Lord, who then reveals himself, solidifying forever one's equal vision. Merely describing things that exist does not constitute the last word in the perception of reality. One must also see the true spiritual equality of all living entities in all situations. Truthfulness means that one should speak in a pleasing way so that there will be a beneficial effect. If one becomes attached to pointing out the faults of others in the name of truth, then such fault-finding will not be appreciated by saintly persons. The bona fide spiritual master speaks the truth in such a way that people can elevate themselves to the spiritual platform, and one should learn this art of truthfulness. So, Jopadi is... She's speaking the truth. You know, she's not, she's focusing on the beneficial parts of the truth, the good parts, not the fault parts. But in this material world, Prabhupada says in the purport, or I don't know if Prabhupada says it, but in the purport of Srimad Bhagavatam 1057.41, says the whole material world is infected by the fault-finding propensity. And that's where we are. We see all the things that, Ashratam has done wrong and what he needs to be punished for. And Draupadi is seeing all the good qualities and showing, you know, using that as a reason to be merciful towards him. So, this fault finding tendency of ours, you know, to, it's one of the defects, right? We just we tend to see the, the faults in everything. And what we want to do, you know, we talked about the four ways of seeing good. There's four ways of fault-finding. There's the person that sees, oh, yeah, there's some good in that person, but they'll, they don't really pay attention to the good. They focus, they ignore it, and they focus on the bad. There's the type of person that only sees the faults, and they may understand there's some good there, but they just don't acknowledge it. They only magnify the faults there the people that see this like any little fault and they magnify it right they make a mountain out of a molehill type of situation and it could be these kinds of fault finding things is not just about people it's about situations it's about places it's about things and then there's the person that only sees bad like everything is bad everyone is evil there is no good everything is just horrible and most of us fall into you know we see the good, we see the bad, we tend to figure out which one we're going to focus on, and we try to focus on the good, but a lot of times we'll focus on the bad. And, you know, I've had this conversation, we've had this conversation with Maharaj Ritathraja Swami all the time, and he always challenges us to not um, fault find or to, to go some time without making any kind of criticism. And when I think about that, it's it's not easy, but it's easier to do when you're talking about people. It's harder to do when you talk about situations. Um, so, like, it's hot. Okay, that's, that's, that's the truth, but it can also be a complaint. Um, and, you know, what's the mood in which that truth is said? So... You know, a lot of times when we talk about fault-finding, we're just like, well, I'm just stating what's the truth. I'm just stating what's really there. And um, it says in Bhagavad Gita 1715, austerity of speech consists in speaking truthfully, beneficially, and in avoiding speech that offends. So, and it's Further reiterated in Srimad Bhagavatam eleven nineteen thirty six, and it says truthfulness means to speak the truth in a pleasing way. So we want to make sure that if we're gonna say something, you know, one, is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? And is it helpful? And if the answer to any of these are no, then maybe what's being said should not should be left unsaid. Because we all have, in the material world, we all have faults. We all have flaws. None of us are perfect. And perfection is almost, well, it's an impossible goal. And because it's such an impossible goal, we tend to beat ourselves up about it. We tend to have an all-or-nothing attitude. Like, if I can't do it perfectly, then I might as well not do it at all. So that's just saying, you know, if I can't chant 100% attentively, I shouldn't chant at all. And that's not true. We know that, that there's so much power and potency in chanting and having the mood of wanting to progress um, than jumping in and being perfect. And we're not going to be perfect from the first moment, right? Even when we learn to walk, it's not like all of a sudden we just go from like sitting, you know, laying down, sitting, and then we're just like walking around and running around. It takes a few times, you know, I was watching my nephew last weekend, and you know, the progression is very sweet. When he came a month ago, he was just learning to crawl. He'd come to visit at the end of April. He was just learning how to crawl, and he was doing the army crawl. And if he were to be like, or if the parents were to be like, you're not crawling perfectly, don't even bother crawling, you know, we don't think like that. Because we know it's baby steps, literally baby steps. Um, And then, you know, when I went to visit him last weekend, he was crawling like a champion. Like he could get from one side of the room to the other side of the room in record time. And then he was learning how to climb steps, like crawl up the steps. And he did it when I was there and his parents said, you know, he's been trying to do it all week, like lifting himself up, trying to figure out the logistics of it and he couldn't do it. So then he would, you know, try to do other things, but each time he would try, it wasn't like in his baby brain, he was like, well, I can't do it perfectly. Therefore I'm not going to even try, but you could see the progression in him trying each time a little bit and then able to go up four steps with, no assistance understanding that that's how you crawl up so we can see that it's baby steps and we want to take those baby steps but we have this tendency of fault finding and and a lot of times well actually most of the times when we tend to be irritated by someone's faults it means that we have those same faults and we have to look at ourselves so instead of focusing on what another person's faults are and how they can fix it. We have to focus on our own faults and how we can fix it. It's easier for me to point out your faults and say, you know, these are the things that you're doing wrong than it is for me to look at myself because me looking at what I'm doing wrong, it's a lot of internal reflection and that's not easy to do. It's not easy for us to admit our flaws because of our false ego, because we want to think, oh, we're perfect and we're great and we control everything and we are, you know, we, we want to be God, we want to be perfect. So it's not easy for us to look at our own flaws, but when we do and we can be very honest about our flaws, then we can work on either strengthening them or acknowledging them and acknowledging our strengths as well. But what we tend to do is Either we ignore our own flaws, or we only see our flaws. Like, uh, and I know I'm guilty of this, where it's like, you know, there's nothing good about me. I'm only bad, and I only, you know, I, I'm a failure, or I can't do anything right. And we tend to really beat ourselves up with this fault-finding tendency, even within ourselves. And it, and it's not to say that we have to be arrogant and brag about our good skills and our qualities it's to say that we're acknowledging that we have strengths and we have weaknesses and when we acknowledge what our weaknesses are it almost becomes our strength because it helps us to understand that we're 100 percent dependent on krishna no matter what our strengths and weaknesses are so i can give an example sometimes i feel like one of my weaknesses is feeling helpless You know, sometimes things are happening and we feel like, oh, I can't do anything about it. I'm so helpless. I'm useless. But the truth of the matter is, is that in any given situation, we're always helpless. And if we just surrender to that and understand that Krishna is the one that's helping us, that, you know, we lean into that feeling of what could be our weakness and understand that Krishna is going to strengthen that, have faith in Krishna strengthening that, and that he's given us gifts of our strength that we can lean into and and use to help others, help ourselves, spread um, Krishna's love, then we're able to really make a bigger impact and a difference, and we can feel more connected to Krishna. So one of the problems with fault-finding is that it tends to wear out relationships, right? If you're in a friendship or a romantic relationship whatever type of relationship even parental relationship if all they do is nag and point out everything that you're doing wrong it's not going to feel like a a loving relationship right it's going to be like oh man this person again they're just going to point out all of my flaws you know I don't really need to deal with that today I don't need that kind of energy today And who wants to be on the receiving end of that? Do you want to be on the receiving end of when someone, when you walk into a room, someone's like, "Oh my God, not her! Please let me hide." Like that's not a good feeling for either party. So when we when we fault find, that's what what happens to our relationship. Fault finding is continual criticism, and it's usually concerning trivial things and it's a big one because you know it's the first offense that we recite when we're trying when we um, want to chant the holy names right the offenses to avoid is to blaspheme the devotees of who have dedicated their lives to propagating the holy name of the lord so this is basically saying that the first offense that we want to avoid is fault finding so the opposite of fault finding is praising or find or Strength-finding, right? We want to be strength-finders. And we want to focus on the good in all living entities, especially those who have dedicated their lives to Krishna, right? That are are chanting the holy names, that are spreading Krishna's mission. We definitely want to see the good in them and highlight the good. And when you start doing that, when you start looking at what's good about a person— you focus more on the good qualities and the bad qualities tend to fall away. And that's the same thing that we can do for ourselves. When we focus on our own good qualities, it strengthens our relationship with who we truly are and that helps strengthen our relationship with Krishna. So if we're constantly criticizing ourselves, we're basically saying, Krishna, you've made a big mistake and, you know, look at how awful I am. That's not the kind of thing that, you know, Krishna doesn't want to hear that either, right? Like he does, that's not the relationship. He loves us no matter what. He's dear to everyone, but those who turn to him, right, those who are looking to connect with him, he's it's, they're even more dear, extremely dear. And if we're looking to connect with Krishna, we, we have to do that with full love. And if we're sitting here constantly criticizing ourselves, that's not full love. Now we do see in our... You know, in our line, some of the songs or you know, I'm nothing um, without you, Krishna. I'm, I'm, you know, so there's a lot of this tendency of, you know, looking at ourselves as being low, lowly. But that's a different mood than saying, like, I'm a horrible person and I have no good qualities. This is saying that I have nothing on my own and everything I am is is you, Krishna. So that's the mood that we want to be in. That's the mood that we want to engage with um, Krishna and ourselves, right? That that I am fully dependent on Krishna and whatever good I have is is due to Krishna and whatever um, faults I have, Krishna will take care of. He'll fill in for us. So it's really easy to fall into this trap of fault-finding, and we want to reverse that by falling into the trap of constant praise, appreciation. And it's simple to do, um, You know, we can start a practice of, one, looking at, you know, if you're going to say something, the austerity of speech. Is it true? Is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it helpful? And sometimes we may see things that are wrong, and we we can understand that that's wrong, that it may be hurting other people. We have to understand that it may also not be our place to say something. It's a different thing if somebody comes and asks you, like, hey, I'm having this difficulty, what am I doing wrong? And you can say, well, you know, these are some of the things that you can improve rather than um, you just going up to someone and giving them unsolicited advice. Most people don't like unsolicited advice. They, and they tend to get defensive. We get defensive when people tell us what we're doing wrong when we haven't asked. And even when we ask, sometimes we get defensive because we're not ready to hear it. Um, Sometimes we ask with this mood of someone will say, oh, nothing's wrong, you're perfect, you're doing everything great. Um, So we want to make sure that we are already in a place of honesty with ourselves and then it's easier to hear what our actual um, deficiencies are and what we can do to strengthen them. The other thing that you can do is Another way to get out of the fault-finding mindset is appreciation, gratitude. So if you start to find yourself, you know, criticizing a situation, a person, a thing, an event that's happening, immediately stop yourself and start to look at what you're grateful for, what's good about this situation, what you can really uh, gain from this situation, even challenges, things that seem all bad can still be good. Right? The um, next chapter, we'll learn more about the prayers of Queen Kunti. But basically, in these situations that are pretty horrible, she's just seeing only the good. Right? She's thanking Krishna for all of the calamities because it's she sees the benefits of it. So she only sees the benefits and not the, the harm or the bad stuff. And that's what we want to do. And... Having a good gratitude practice really helps with that. So you know, it could be um, before you sit down and chant your rounds, or however you chant your rounds, you can thank, um, have a you know, thank Krishna, thank your guru, thank Srila Prabhupada, and have this feeling of gratitude that you're able to chant. You know, you're able to pick up beads and chant Krishna's name, and have this time to be close to Krishna. You know. If you're going to sit down and read Srimad Bhagavatam or one of the books, you know, you can have a moment to, of gratitude for having these books, for being able to read, for having a condition in time to read. There's so many things that we can find to be grateful for, and they don't have to be big things. Like, we think, oh my God, I don't have anything good. But, you know, just being able to breathe, and, we'll fi- you know, we found out this last year that it's a commodity that we've taken for granted until we could, until so many of us couldn't breathe with um, COVID. And, you know, so it's like even just breathing and oxygen and having that ability to breathe is something to be grateful for, you know. Um, Waking up in the mornings is something to be grateful for. So there's so many little things that we can show appreciation for. And the more we do that, the more it kills our fault-finding tendencies and it really will strengthen our relationship with Krishna and ourselves. Even if you start looking at what you're grateful for about your own self, like what you bring to the table, what your contributions are, that can also help your relationship with Krishna because it helps you to realize that these are the strengths that Krishna has given you and it helps you feel even more grateful towards Krishna. And gratitude, it's its the basis of love. So the the um, prayers and verses that we see from our the acharyas in our line that are saying, you know, I'm humble, I'm a lowly person, they really come from a, a place of gratitude. They come from the mood of being grateful to Krishna for providing everything, for showing mercy despite being a wretched man or woman a wretched person. So that's the mood that we want to have. So I'll stop here. There's no one to ask questions. Ki